When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Good morning and welcome to the Pirates podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. He's Chris Halleck. I'm Alex Stump. Chris, how's it going, man? It's going great. Uh, it's definitely been a whirlwind of Pirates baseball. The last uh, couple of weeks, we've seen some crazy, crazy stuff, and we're uh, nearing the all-star break, and uh, it's just uh, it's been a little bit more interesting the last month, but definitely uh, definitely excited to see you know, with, the, with the draft coming up. You know, there are some definitely exciting things, and the Pirates are the only game in town right now. You know, Steelers aren't playing, Penguins aren't playing, so we're going to continue to focus on this pirates this whole three homer games how many more of those we gonna see this year i (laughs) i didn't expect to see three honestly coming in the year and i definitely didn't expect to see three in the span of 11 games that's that's something unbelievable and we're gonna talk about that in the second segment a little bit here to tease Uh, but first let's talk about the all-star game because we're not that far away Voting is entering its final phases. No, no pirates going to get voted into the all-star game this year. It's, nope. it's not like last year, whenever Frazier was just the best second baseman in the league and there was no way around it. They have a couple people who are deserving, but I think honestly, this is going to be a one player team. One, they're going to yep. send one representative to mm-hmm. Los Angeles. So Chris, I ask you who should be that one representative. Uh, well, you can make a case for three different guys. Um, I would still say probably overall body of work, maybe David Bednar ends up getting in there. Now I know recency bias uh, says probably Brian Reynolds over David Bednar because Brian Reynolds is, I mean, really throwing his hat in the ring for player of the month in June. Um, and Bednar has <clears throat> obviously struggled with his back. Uh, he's had a couple of rough outings. His first, you know, uh, return, you know, to the mound with that back issue uh, was not good. They, the Pirates nearly blew an eight to four lead uh, in the ninth inning. Yuri Dulos Santos was able to come in and make a save, but I still think overall body of work. Maybe Bednar gets in. Um, it, it's it's actually really difficult because you know Brian Reynolds really has played really well, especially in June. Uh, it's really you know, overall numbers still don't, you know, hold up maybe for what an all-star should be. Um, 
but I'd probably say right now I'm leaning Bednar, but you know, we'll see whenever, I mean, recording this July 1st. So we'll see where we are in about a week or so. If Brian Reynolds continues to mash the ball and Bednar goes on the IL or has another couple rough outings, then maybe Reynolds gets that final spot, but or get, gets that one spot for the pirates. But I think I'm leaning Bednar as we, as we sit and speak right now. I mean, they would still send Bednar if he hit the IL. It would just open right. up the spot for someone else, right. which which could maybe open up something for Brian Reynolds, or yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It, no guarantee that it would be a part. There's no – a part has to be an active participant in the All-Star game. And I, yeah. I'm with you. I still think it's David Bednar. And I know this past, you know, what, two or three outings have really jacked up the ERA. It's like 250 right now mm-hmm. at the time of this recording, which is hardly bad. He he still has all-star numbers. He's just kind of gone from, you know, having one of the best, you know, making his claim as one of the best relievers <laughs> in baseball for two and a half months to he has a bad week, two weeks, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, he's dropped to all-star levels. You know, right. I, I, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's right. it's really bad. Um he says he's fine health wise with everything. I think we could all kind of see like he still wasn't a hundred percent yesterday. And there, there were a couple times over these last two outings that he came really close. A couple comeback, a comebacker back in Tampa Bay, a, a ground ball to Michael Chavis yesterday. Neither one of them, just they just popped out of the glove. If both of them got caught, like, you know, we, we probably aren't even talking about it. I'd be like, Oh yeah, David Bednar is the, the all-star. Why is this even a debate? Right. I think he still is. I still think he's the best pitcher on this team. I still think he is the most worthy of having the all-star moniker put on them because, I mean, the way I kind of view it, I'm, I'm, I am going to bring up war and a couple other stats mm-hmm. here for, you know, the other guys who deserve some consideration. Yeah. But a lot of an all-star player in my mind is vibes. It's It's one of those, you know, I don't know what an all-star player is until I see it, but I know what I see yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. And, and David Bednar is an all-star. And I, I just don't see how it could really be a debate. Even if he gets hit one or two more times, he was just the best, you know, relief pitcher in baseball for two plus months. Yeah. Yeah. And you bring up things like war and things like that. And the, and the third guy that I think should get some consideration is key Brian Hayes. Um, you know, on baseball reference, you know, with B war, he is far and away the leader uh, on the pirates in B war. Um, looking at it right now, uh, Hayes's B war is 2.9 and Reynolds is second on the team with a 1.6. So well over a win, uh, per game better as of right now. But, you know, you look at the offensive numbers for, for Hayes, he's batting 258. His OPS is uh, only 694. You don't see a lot of guys who make the all-star game who have a sub 700 OPS. Um, but obviously the the main reason why Hayes' war is so high is because of his elite level defense, uh, yeah. gold glove caliber defense. Uh, yeah. So th- that's, that's why, and because Ward is an all encompassing stat, you know, offense, defense, everything feel, you know, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I do think if Reynolds continues, I think he does make a bit more of a push because we are starting. I mean, Reynolds has now jacked his season OPS over 800. 
you know, that, that's especially with, with where I, I don't even have it in front of me, but I'm assuming league average OPS is probably close to 700, maybe, you know, uh, uh, some ticks above it, but uh, so he's well above average in terms of OPS. And then he does play good defense. Uh, he's hitting the ball on 15 home runs of the season. Uh, you know, Reynolds will definitely make a push, but yeah, I think we're both on the same page there that David Bednar overall body of work is deserving of being in the all-star game. Uh, hopefully he gets healthy and he's able to get back to uh, even if he gets back to 80 or 90% of the form that he was in in April and May, and even the early part of June, uh, the pirates are going to have their closer for the next several years. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think David Bednar is the easy bet right there. Yeah. And Hayes is a tough one because if yeah. you look at war, if you look at some other stats, it's like, yeah, he probably is an all-star but it's not always who is the best because who's going to be the reds representative well it's going to be brandon jury and so okay there's a third baseman manny machado is definitely going to go nolan arenado is definitely going to go and it's mm-hmm. like well okay well maybe you could win the the hunger games between like austin riley and you know a couple of these other guys who are right there on the fringe but this isn't hayes final form no, like he's an elite defender. And that's why I didn't get worried at all. Whenever he was making those early season errors, it's like, man, he, I, there are so many other things to worry about in this franchise in, in life yeah. than, than Hayes's defense. That is going yeah. to be fine. He could win a gold glove this year. He probably should win a gold glove this year. If he keeps this up. I it's think the, the only thing that gets in the way of that, just really quick. I think the only thing that gets in the way of that is the name Nolan Arenado gets in the way of that because right now statistically Hayes is better than Arenado. Yeah. Right. And so if the, if, if the entire process can really take into account performance over name recognition, then yes, if key Brian Hayes keeps this up, he should win the gold glove for third baseman. I think that is something to to be considered when it comes to all-star recognition is if he is a guy who will win multiple gold gloves at, at third base, which, I'm I think it's pretty safe to bet on that right now that he will win multiple gold gloves there. Um, mm-hmm. just because of how good he is now and to think that he could get even better. Um, I do think something like that is worthy of all-star recognition. I'll, I'll let you get back to it, but I just wanted to interject yeah. that in there. Yeah, it, it he'll he'll be an all-star soon. I don't yeah. know if it's 2022. Like we we saw even last night, he just hit a couple absolute missiles, but not elevated didn't you know and so they end up being line outs and hard hit ground outs like whenever those start falling in for base hits and doubles this guy is going to be one of the top 20 players in baseball yeah so now, he, yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he's going to have that final form yeah I, i'm actually going to pull up his uh, baseball savant page right now because i know he hits the ball so hard it's just his 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 yeah and he's launch gotten, angle is just and he's yeah. gotten better at that as compared to last year he's taken a good step here i Convinced he'll take another good step in 2023. So he will be an all-star. So I don't need to die on that hill. It's not like, you know, last year with Adam Frazier, it's like, well, this was probably his only chance, guys. Let's let's see what happens. And <laughs> as for Brian Reynolds, like, again, someone else who's probably in, like, that top 20 players in baseball. Yeah. And slow start will probably keep him on to the all-star game if he, he'll probably get a couple down-ballot MVP votes at the end of the year. So that's yep. that's more or less where I kind of like view the other guys, like 
Bednar is the most deserving. I would be very happy for Brian Reynolds or Ricky Brian Hayes if they get a nod. I just don't see it happening. No, probably not. And, and like like we've said, it's pretty much going to be one one representative from the Pirates, and we have to go one, probably David Bednar right now. Yeah. Anything from the baseball savant page to share before we go to a break? <laughs> yeah, just just that keyboard. I mean, average exit velocity, 89th percentile. Max exit velocity, 90th percentile. Hard hit percentage, 92nd percentile. It's just He hits it hard, and yes, he does. it's whenever he elevates it. And he's yep. done a little more consistently this year. There's another, there's another gear there. He, he could yeah. be, he could be Matt Chapman. He could be better than Matt Chapman, you know, for, for yeah. stuff like that. He can be one of the best third basemen in this league. And right now he's yeah. right on that fringe. I feel like of being that even with the bat, you know, just being basically league average right now. Yeah. His, that's the thing. His launch angle, his average launch angle right now is 6.9. And last year it was two. That's not great. No, yeah. well, uh, MLB I mean, average. MLB average is twelve point one. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> there you go. You, you show no, but that tells the story of less ground balls. You know, getting in the air a little more. All right, so we're in agreement. Probably Bednar. We're gonna find out soon for All Star Game representatives. We're gonna take a break. Whenever we come back, that Michael Perez three homer game is gonna go down as one of the most unlikely things we have seen in baseball. What else is on that list? And welcome back to the Pirates podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Chris, that performance Thursday night from Michael Perez. I, I, I jokingly on Twitter call Michael ISO Perez because the man just doesn't hit singles and like everything's an extra base hitter, more bluntly a homer if he actually <laughs> does make contact with right. the ball. And But I, I didn't see it happening. I didn't see him. Being no. the first catcher in Pittsburgh Pirates history. And I know there haven't been a ton of like uber power hitters throughout Pirates history, but man, they've had some really good catchers throughout the years yeah. <laughs> between Manny Sanguin and Jason Kendall and Russell Martin and Smokey yep. Burgess. It's like a long list of like good catchers. None of them hit three. Michael Perez is at the peak of the mountaintop for that. Nobody saw that coming, no. least of all me. I will admit. No, that was that was uh, pretty pretty crazy. I actually had uh, turned away uh, just you know normal nighttime routine things. I had actually turned away after he had already hit two, and then I get the notification on my phone that he hit hit the third one, and I'm like, man, like. And the thing is, I had joked with uh, because we joked about it yesterday when we were at HQ that like, hey. You know, I'm having all the fun getting to cover the three homer games. I covered the Sawinski game. I covered the, the Reynolds game. Like maybe somebody else can, you know, have some fun. And then lo and behold, you and DK go to the ballpark and Michael Perez hits three homers. And uh, I went to Twitter immediately. I was like, hey, it actually happened. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty, pretty awesome uh, to see that. And uh, yeah, I, of all the catchers, 
Michael Perez in, in, in franchise history. That 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 is pretty crazy. Yeah. So, in the spirit of that, mm-hmm. we've both covered covered you know baseball professionally for a couple of years now. We've both been following baseball since we were kids. So, Chris, we're gonna just take a look here at some of off the top of our heads the least likely things we have seen in major league baseball games. And I'm going to be honest with you. Perez three homer game is way up there on the list for me. Yeah. Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind and I, I just, I, I want to point this out just because um, it was brought up on the broadcast last night of how, like how rare three homer games are. Uh, and in the grand scheme of things with how many major league baseball games there have been, in history mm-hmm. <laughs> and there being, I, I don't have the exact number, but it's somewhere over 600 three Homer games. Like what is more rare, a three Homer game or a no hitter. Um, so I, I'd say covering a no hitter has been uh, a more rare uh, or more unlikely uh, thing that I've seen. Uh, I mean, especially because the two that I've covered have been Joe Musgrove and Corey Kluber. Uh, Kluber, I understand a little bit more. He's a two-time Cy Young winner. Uh, yeah, he's not been the same pitcher that he's been in the past, obviously, uh, since he left Cleveland. Uh, but uh, the Musgrove one definitely uh, took me by surprise, not only because it was the first no-hitter I covered, but um, I knew Joe Musgrove was capable of you know, being a, uh, being a really good pitcher and, and has the stuff if he has it all working on a night to throw a no-hitter. Um, so that, that, that's one of the first things that stands out, but I definitely have something a little more light, unlikely, but I'll, I'll let you, uh, share one of yours first. All right. Well, I mean, I'm going to get like the low hanging fruit would be like the, the Will Craig play, you know, the, the key <laughs> missing first base last year, but you know, like I, I am, I'm going to go more positive for the exhibition of sports than that. Uh, first <laughs> one that came to my mind was the John Jaso cycle. Like I, I was, Oh wow. I forgot about that. I actually covered that game. Like, you, you know, freelancing back in the day. And it was one of the most, how did this actually happen? It type of deals because he finished with the triple. Yeah. Which how many times in baseball history has some slow first baseman, they say, Oh, he's a triple short of the cycle. And then he gets the triple. I feel like cycle watch for you know that situation is you luck into a triple in like the first two innings. And it's like, okay, hold up. Yeah. Hold up. Let's see. And then at the end of the game, it's like, if he homers or doubles, it's a cycle. And right. no, that was the most. One part player has hit a cycle at PNC Park and it's John Jaso. And that is mind boggling to me. Yeah. Of all the speedsters that especially, especially with the north side notch and and, and all of the, 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 the players, Starling Marte and Andrew McCutcheon and all these guys that have been able to to utilize that that field yeah that that's pretty it's <laughs> pretty crazy um so I, I will i will go off of just one yeah one play that i that i witnessed i think it was this 2020 season uh so already uh, an, an unlikely season 60 game season you know thanks covid and uh but uh, it was uh rangers angels and Nick Solak hits a uh, a fly ball to uh, deep right field, <laughs> and um, it looks like it's going to be a fly out. It, it is kind of close to the wall, 
Uh, but Joe Adele reaches up, it hits off of his glove, and it bounces over the over the fence for what was called a home run at the time, uh, and then is later ruled a four base error. Uh, and so that entire play, kind of like the four, fourth out rule uh, play that happened uh, this past Wednesday in D.C., that was um, kind of one of those moments where you're like, what, what, okay, what's going on? Like, I need to decipher what just happened there. But, you know, to see something that, that, that resembles the Jose Canseco play where the ball obviously bounces off his head and goes over. And, you know, and that, that one was ruled a home run because <laughs> Canseco didn't even really make a play, just happened to hit him in the head and it goes over. Joe Adele actually tried to make a play on it and had the opportunity to catch it. And it just ricochets off his glove and goes over the wall. But just as that play happened, and as I saw the ball hit off his glove and go over the fence, you're just kind of standing there and or sitting there and all just being like, did that actually just happen? Because you think about things like, oh man, what if what if that happened? You know, I, I you know gone to baseball games and been like, oh, what if the guy tries to catch it and it just happens to go over the fence? Well, that actually happens. So to actually see it unfold happen like that, then for everybody to get involved with, okay, how does this get ruled? Is it a home run? Is it a four base error? Uh, that was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen, and so I think that also falls into the unlikely category of. Nick Solak hitting a towering fly ball that just happens to go off of Joe Adele trying to catch it. And it just goes over the fence for a four base error. That was pretty, that was pretty insane. I'm kind of, I mean, I know you didn't cover it, but like, I don't know, whenever I think Rangers recent history, I think, you know, the divisional playoff game also where they had that bonkers play at home. Uh, oh Yeah. Not even counting Odor, you know, just absolutely clocking Jose Bautista. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, you talk about like so coming from from Rangers history, you talk about unlikely cycles. Benji Molina, Benji Molina is the <laughs> least likely in baseball history. Like that yeah. is the greatest. Twenty ten finishing with a triple, and I think it could only happen in a ballpark like Fenway. Mm-hmm. Like really, um, really? just just because of just how wonky the entire outfield is and you hit it to the right spot and hits off the fence in the right spot. That one that was pretty that just think of that, but I obviously didn't get to cover any of that in person. But the one I got to cover in person was that four base error from Nick Solak off of Joe Adele's glove. That was pretty that was pretty insane. So how did you cover that? Because I, I remember like the the Will Craig play. It was mm-hmm. it was like immediately like oh my God Will Craig made this play. And then like my actual game story that day was like an actual like break by break, like looking at every single moment of it, like how happy mm-hmm. Javi by is like signal safe. I can't yeah. believe he did that, you know, and then he realizes, <laughs> oh man, I got to bust my butt to first base. I'm still in play here. Uh, how Gregory Polanco was coming in on the ball. And if the ball wouldn't have been deflected, mm-hmm. uh, it would have rolled to the, you know, wall in right field. And that would have been an inside the Parker, you know, just, stuff like that like mm-hmm. how, how did you cover that so at, at first it was just you know because i'm like live tweeting the game i'm just trying to be like okay i'm trying to decipher what happened here but then like game story wise it was just like okay when this is ruled a four base error this obviously takes a home run away from nick solak and so fans are going to get upset because they're like no that should count you know and just because you know that's that's what fans want they want to see their players get credit for a home run when the ball goes over the fence. 
Um, so it was pretty much just taking the the rules down and and the rulings from Major League Baseball and really breaking it down into the most minute detail to, so the fans can understand why it was not ruled a home run and why that should not not only was ruled but should have been ruled a four base error um just because like if you watch the play and and you know baseball in in any kind of depth you can see that Joe Adele tried to make a play on it. He had the opportunity. It wasn't like that he had to dive for it or leap for it or anything. He jumped, but he didn't have to jump. This was a, this was just poor defense. That was, I mean, I, I don't remember what the launch angle was on, on the, on the, on the head. I think I put that, all that stuff in there. It's like, when you look at the trajectory of the ball and everything, Joe Adele had plenty of time. He like camped under the ball. So you, it was just breaking all of that down so that fans could understand, okay, this is why Nick Solak did not get credit for home run on this. And so uh, that was the angle I went out from, uh, you know, I, I covered it from and um, yeah, it was just, just again, one of those just plays where you're just like, okay, because if I'm watching and I'm like, I'm a fan, I want to know why the heck was that not ruled a home run? The ball goes over the fence. And so that's why I was like, okay, well, that's the answer I'm going to provide. So that's, that's how I tackled that one. All right. That's, that's fair. I mean, I feel like that's definitely an outlook thing. We're, we're drifting here a little bit, but this is interesting <laughs> to me, you know, like, and maybe other people find it interesting, like behind the scenes of whenever you see something so absolutely bonkers right there. I mean, of course, you could, you could go see it on the, Twitter, but we have to provide something a little more of like, okay, wait, you yeah. saw it actually happen. Here you go. Here's some more context. Here's some more. It was, it was like the fourth out rule that played out on Wednesday. It's like, okay, oh, how did that not he, make your list? Well, I was going to say like that, that could, that was like, also like, if I'm going to, if I'm going in like order of like things, well, actually the Musgrove no hitter was after the Solak play, but um so like, I'm just kind of going in order of, of things of like how I've witnessed them. And so the fourth out rule, yeah, that, that just because I'm like, try, again, I was like the same thing of like how to cover it. It's like trying to understand what exactly happened there. Why did the nationals have to appeal in order for that run to come off, to, to come off the board. And, you know, once you understand the rule of, okay, once the nationals come off the field, they can no longer appeal. It was understanding why did the nationals have to appeal in the first place and that's because the Sawinski, the, the the runner stepping on third was technically the fourth out because he tagged Hoy Park before he stepped on the base. And so it's like understanding all of the little details of how that plays out and trying to explain all that, explain all of that. And so that, so that fans can understand, you know, because even after I explained it, like when we are like on the left foul and things like that, I'm still seeing people come through and being like, I have no idea. Like, I, I still don't understand because it, it is a very, very weird thing. And that's why I asked Derek Shelton, like after the game was like, how often is that rule in the, front, in the, in the forefront of your mind? Because I've never went, I've covered two no hitters before I forget, before I, I saw a play like that happen. It's like, Oh yeah, that's at the forefront of my mind all the time. And that's just, that's just, that's just lets you know that baseball minds, baseball people like managers and coaches are just, on a different level. They, they understand the game at a level that we just don't understand uh, and don't, and, and that's why we report on it and they actually do it. So that, that, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's just crazy. So yeah, that, that would be up there too. <laughs> you know, maybe that's what we should have had this be the segment lead off with. You saw that. I saw Michael Perez. There we go. Yeah. 
<laughs> go back in time. That's, that's how that's how we actually presented this. this it's still this fun segment. though to, to to reminisce about John Jaso recording the uh, a cycle at PNC. That that's we don't do enough John Jaso content on this podcast, <laughs> and I I am going to rectify that going forward. <laughs> We need to have a John Jaso mention every single time. There we go. We, we recorded. Somehow we're going to throw that in there, or just some random pirate from from the from the two thousands. Like we'll just randomly throw out an Adam. That Hostu that factoid. I could do. I could drop a you know Humberto Cota you know in, in random conversation <laughs> somewhere. When you were mentioning catchers earlier, I was going to say. You forgot Humberto Cota. <laughs> Ronnie Polino could have hit three homers in a game. I'm just saying. <laughs> you are you're name dropping some, some guys right now, man. That's, Holy crap. Yeah. They are no Keith Osick. Oh, On that, it's, we are going to <laughs> take one more break. We'll be back here in a few minutes. Welcome back to the Pirates podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Chris, Yu Chang was designated for assignment this week. Let's think about everything that we have to say about that. Um, let's just pour one out for the I, I honestly I, th- I think this is going to be this is going to be something that becomes a trivia question later in, in Pirates history. Like who was the player that, you know, Dot dot dot, and Yu Chang ends up being the answer just because you know how long was his pirates career? <laughs> Too long, <laughs> and that's what's funny about it. <laughs> yeah, like I, I I I feel I feel bad whenever someone like that comes in because Yu Chang like immediately was put in like Del Pozo territory as far as mm-hmm. like amount of frustration that he brought the fan base not just because of his own performance but also the this is the guy you call up or trade for rather than you know o'neill cruiser back whenever mason martin was hitting like that like mason martin has just absolutely fallen apart since that trade um but maybe we can give some credit maybe we can give some credit to to ben sherrington and the front office for not calling up Mason Martin at that time? No, no, you don't, because at least you get <laughs> at least you get an answer that oh, Mason Martin's not a big league hitter, other than right. Yu Chang just was DFA'd. I don't think anyone thinks he is, but he bats right-handed, which no one else on this team apparently does. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely going to be uh, it's going to be a a, a, a punchline and some sort of joke, pirates joke later on. Uh, the obscure name. It's going to be like the, the the question of like Jack Sawinski hits three homers in a game. Who is the player who hit the fourth? And it, and it's going to be like I have no idea. And then yeah, it's just going to be something that you know Pirates fans are going to be able to take with them and just have that useless knowledge in their head that they can just hold over somebody else at any moment in time. Yeah. So that's he's, that's he's going to be he's going to be in the you know random. He's going to be like the the Humberto Cota in terms of like <laughs> random conversation there. This is the Humberto Cota episode of the podcast oh. to be named later. 
I was about to say, was Humberto Cota the last player to wear number 11 before it was retired for Paul Wainer? I think he might have been. I think I have to go back and look, but I think that that is. That, so sounds, think, that sounds right. All right, Chris, I'm going to give you a 30-second window, window here. Will I call, you know, give the goodbyes? If you got that answer, then we'll put it at the end there. Okay, I'm Races baseball on. referencing right now. Thank you so much for listening to the Pirates podcast to be named later. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you find fine podcasts. We got plenty of them here. Also, be sure to listen to Young Bucks with Corey Geiger and Jared Prugar if you want, you know, just all minor league coverage for the Pittsburgh Pirates. For Chris Halleck, I'm Alex Stumpf asking Chris Halleck if he has it. I am working on it. My internet was awful, but I am finding it right now. Humberto Cota was the last player to wear number 11. There is your worthless Pirates (laughs) history knowledge. 2007. 2007 was the last year uh, number 11 was worn before it was retired for Paul Wainer. There you go. There you go. Chris drops a nugget to end it. Thank you so much (laughs) for listening. We'll talk again next week.